Good morning. Our scripture text is in Philippians chapter 3. Uh, we'll be reading verses 10 through 14 this morning. We're in this sermon series entitled, You Are Welcome Here. And today we're going to talk about how you and your doubt are welcome here. Um, so we're going to look at uh, Philippians chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 10. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me, please? Father, as we gather together to worship and honor your name, we pray, Father, your spirit of wisdom and truth will pierce our hearts as we read your word. We pray that your word will guide us and lead us in all truth. I pray, Father, that you'll help us to understand. I pray, Father, that you'll just guide and lead each one of us and as a community that you'll guide and lead us. Father, we, we just give you the praise and glory that is due your name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I love verse 10 and 11. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of the resurrection. It's interesting to me that Paul would say this. Because didn't Paul meet Jesus? Do you remember in Acts, there's a story where Paul, whose name was Saul at the time, met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Saul was intent on arresting Christians in that city. And Jesus met him that day. He blinded Saul and cried out, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And ever since that day, and the day that his sight would return to him miraculously, Paul would grow closer and closer to knowing Jesus. And what about the power of the resurrection. Paul knew a thing or two about the power of the resurrection from amazing healings to preaching to miraculous recoveries. Paul was upfront and personal with the risen Christ and his power. And yet we read these words in verse 12. 
Not that I have obtained all of this. Why does Paul say he wants to know these things and that he has not yet obtained it all? Because according to my readings in Acts, which Paul makes up about half of that book, and my readings in his letters to the churches, once again, Paul makes up over half of the New Testament. I'd say Paul had met that goal. He seems to know the power of his resurrection. He seems to know Jesus. But verse 12 says he hasn't obtained all of this. Paul says that he hasn't been made perfect. In fact, Paul is kind of saying here, I don't really have it all figured out yet. And that is pretty important place to begin our conversation today. That you and your doubt are welcome here. I've been a Christian all of my life. Since I was born, I was always in the church. I've been making disciples and teaching Bible studies since high school. I have a degree in the Bible. I have a master's degree in the New Testament. My whole life has been dedicated to Christian vocational ministry. And guess what, friends? I don't have it figured out yet either. It was a sunny Sunday morning. And William's mother came to her son's room and said, William, it's Sunday. It's time to get up. It's time to get up and go to church. Get up. Come on. Get out from under the covers. And from under those covers, he mumbled, I don't want to. Well, what do you mean, she said? That's silly. Now get up and get dressed for church. No, he shouted back. And I'll give you two reasons. I don't like them, and they don't like me. And she said, that's nonsense, William. I'm going to give you two reasons. You're 42 years old, and you're the preacher. <laughs> we have to come this morning understanding that we've got doubts ourselves. We've got to come this morning to this text understanding that we too don't have it all put together. And that's what I want to talk about first from this passage. That we just don't have it all together. And guess what? That's okay. That is perfectly okay. It is okay that we don't have it all put together. It reminds me of an interaction that happens in Mark's gospel, chapter 9. Uh, the disciples had really struggled to heal this boy who was demon-possessed. And let's read together, starting in verse 21. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? And the boy's father answered from childhood, it's often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. 
if you can, Jesus said. Everything is possible for the one who believes. And immediately, immediately it says, the boy's father exclaimed, but I do believe, please help me with my unbelief. We have to acknowledge that we don't have it all put together as we make this very bold statement that you and your doubts are welcome here. One night a father heard his young daughter speaking. She was alone in her room. The door was just open enough that he could see that she was kneeling by her bedside in prayer. And the father was interested in what his little girl was praying, and so he kind of listened in, and he heard this. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And she just kept repeating the letters of the alphabet. And so he was too curious to know. So he said, honey, what are you, what are you doing? And she said, I'm praying, Daddy. And he said, well... You're actually just reciting the alphabet. She said, you know, I started my prayers, but I wasn't sure what to say, so I decided just to say all the letters of the alphabet and let God bring it all together. You know, that childlike innocence is certainly the way that we need to approach God that sometimes we just need the Holy Spirit to keep us together. And sometimes even, I don't know about you, but sometimes in my prayers, I'm just asking the Holy Spirit to keep me together and just say these words that I just, I can't even say. Listen, folks, we don't have it all put together, and that's the genuine truth. And secondly, we've, we've got to let go of our past mistakes. Friends, we have got to let go of our past. Paul says here in, in Philippians, he said, this is what I do. Forgetting what's behind me. Forgetting what's behind me. Paul was a pretty important person in the New Testament. Like I said, he, he wrote half the New Testament. The half of the book of Acts is all about Paul. And we forget, don't we, that Paul had a pretty awful past. Those things that he was forgetting behind him were the Christians, the Christian families that he broke up, the men and women that he put in jail, the stoning of Stephen. Paul was a murderer. And that could have crippled his life. But he let go of his past mistakes, forgetting what was behind me. Every Christmas so far, at least one of my children gets a Lego set. And I love that, and I hope they never grow out of it, Eli. I hope <laughs> they never grow out of it, because I love 
doing Legos with my kids. But I don't know about you, but I'm not always perfect when it gets to when it comes to putting Legos together. What do you do if you put the Lego together wrong? There's no grace in Legos. Where's where's Dirk's teaching? He can't even hear this. There is no grace with Legos. If you put something backwards or if you skip a step on accident, you're going to reach a point where you are perfectly stuck with this piece. Or there's these unused pieces with a flawed Lego piece. And so you have to go back and you have to take each part off and then start all over from where you messed up. It's incredibly frustrating, but I still love doing Legos with my kids. And, and as I was thinking about forgetting what's behind me, that, that thought came in mind about putting Legos together. And I cannot say thank you enough to God. I cannot say thank you enough to God that grace doesn't work that way. Amen? Grace does not work that way. In fact, in fact Paul says later in Ephesians that it is for by grace you are saved through faith. And this is not of yourself. Oh, thank you, God. Because it is a gift of God. And then in verse 9, he says, not by works, so that no man can boast. We do not need to go back and repair our brokenness. What we need to do is forget what is behind us, press on, and allow God's Spirit to repair our brokenness. Let me say that again, because it's kind of an abstract thought. You do not need to go back and repair your brokenness. What you need to do is move on and allow God to heal your brokenness. Let the Holy Spirit repair your brokenness. That can be done in a thousand different ways. But let God do it. Let go of your mistakes. Move on and allow the Holy Spirit to repair you. You are welcome here. You are welcome here to let go of your past mistakes. And I got one final thought that I think is important to this text. That is, we must do it together. We, listen, folks, we have got to do it together. Paul didn't do it alone. Don't sit in your doubt alone. Don't sit in your brokenness alone. We have just allowed ourselves to be caught up in this social media frenzy, and we, we feel like we need to look like we're a bunch of people who've got it all together. But we're not. We're not. We are broken people who desperately need each other so that we can press on. There was a Harvard study done of 7,000 people that found that most isolated people 
were three times more likely to die than those who had strong relationships. It was John Ortberg who would add to that and say, people who had bad health habits, smoking, poor eating habits, alcohol use, but strong social ties lived significantly longer than people who had great eating habits but were isolated. In other words, it's better to eat Twinkies with good friends than to eat broccoli alone. <laughs> Come on. It is better to eat Twinkies with good friends than, than to eat broccoli alone. Friends, we have got to stop pretending we've got it all together. And I'm going to tell you what, when people walk through these doors, what do they see? Do these say people who are faking like they got it all together? Like their marriages are perfect? Like their parenting style is perfect? Like they got it all together? Folks, we don't. We are broken people. We've got to admit that we're broken people. And we've got to gather together and press on together. It's, it's so important. I found... I love this passage in Mark chapter 3 that just speaks to this truth. Listen to this. Jesus went up to the mountainside and called to him those that he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that they might send them out to preach, have authority to drive out demons. That seems insignificant, right, Dennis? Why did Jesus call 12 disciples? Well, the theological answer is that it's tied to the 12 tribes of Israel, a continuation of the promises that were given to Abraham, Moses, and David, right? That's a good theological answer. Write that down in your notes. The practical answer was that Jesus needed a group of followers that would help him spread the message of the kingdom of God, right? That's the practical answer. The 12 apostles would be foundational for the teaching of Jesus Christ to the church. But don't look, overlook verse 14. That they might be with him. What? Jesus called 12 apostles so that they might be with him. And Jesus didn't walk this earth alone. Amen? And Jesus knew those men did not need to walk this earth alone. Amen? Jesus wasn't broken. Jesus wasn't full of doubt. But those 12 were. <laughs> oh boy, were they. And the one that lied and put up a front, Judas, he's the one that died alone. The rest of them held together. After Jesus would be crucified, you find the 11 gathered together, holding on together, expressing their doubts together sharing their brokenness 
together. And Jesus started it all by calling 12 apostles to be together with him. I don't know where you are in your walk of faith. There's certainly some who come to church fully trusting in God with good lives that reflect Jesus Christ. I'm grateful for those good examples of faith. But there are others who come to church unsure about God. Some come to church with broken lives. And this morning, I hope we are all reminded that everyone is welcome to this table. Maybe you're full of doubt. Maybe you feel like you're broken beyond repair. Welcome to the table. We are too. As we sing a song, I Surrender All, I'm going to ask that you please go to one of these communion stations that are located in these three corners and take a communion cups. I'm going to ask you to take it back to your seat and hold that and just think about how Jesus came into this broken world, this world that we're told in John chapter 1 would not even receive him, and he still died for you in all of your brokenness and doubt. And we're going to hold these emblems as we sing, and Austin's going to come up and share a few words. We'll take the communion together. Let's pray. Father God, I'm thankful for your sacrifice and thankful, Lord, that you accepted me and this community and all of our brokenness and all of our doubt. And I pray, Father, that you will put us all together, that your spirit will repair that brokenness, that, Father, we will be drawn to you. And as we take communion this morning, we do so recognizing that it is by your power, your power alone, that we're made whole. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.